Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, this is Allison Laddermilk, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. Today we're talking about uh, a relatively sad question, actually. Um, why do whales beach themselves? Yeah, I was uh, fortunate enough to attend a lecture recently at the Georgia Aquarium here in Atlanta, uh, hosted by uh, Dr. Uh, Gregory D. Bossart, who is their uh, chief veterinary officer, senior vice president, and uh, his special. This is his specialty, dealing with uh, with the question of why be- whales beach themselves, and uh, he's involved in a number of uh, rescue and rehabilitation um, programs as well. And it's it's really yeah a much deeper question than you might think. It's not like on par with why do boats wash up on the shore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've all seen the the news story. What were you saying about, you know, if a news organization had a choice between a beached whale or a car chase, it would be tough to decide oh, yeah. which. I mean, like, if, yeah, if you were to turn on Fox News and they had to choose between, like, a you know, an O.J. Simpson-style car chase and a beached whale, I mean, in terms of, like, sensational stories that you can cover by helicopter those uh, are two of the big ones you know because you instantly you have this this poor you know um aquatic mammal that we can all sort of uh, empathize with on some level uh you know stranded helpless and then all these these well-meaning but ultimately kind of clueless people um in many cases except for the actual like, marine biologist you know on the scene you know trying to help the animal you know push it back out to sea or 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 you know douse it with water to, to keep it from overheating um you know, this massive effort to, to save it. And, right, it's uh, a media circus, but yeah. it's just sad. It's sad. Although I will add, as you mentioned, that uh, sometimes onlookers do succeed in saving some of the marine mammals that are stranded, you know, by... Right, yeah. Sometimes it, it is um, a situation where they can just push the animal right back out to sea, and it's fine. Um, other times uh, you push the animal out, uh, get it back in the water, and then it just ends up right back on the beach. Right, but we'll talk about that down. in a yeah. sec. Yeah. So, but that's the thing. It's a lot more complicated than just, oh, it's back in the sea. You know, oh, it's a heavy whale. We can't push it. It, it, it's more involved. Okay. So what is stranding beaching? I mean, it's pretty simple. It's when you see a, an animal that, uh, is swimming or floating into shore and it gets stuck in the shallow waters. And we tend to think of animals like whales or dolphins, um, running into this kind of problem, but actually it does happen to sea turtles too. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> seals. And it's a big problem because, you know, shallow water isn't their natural environment and, uh, if they actually come onto the beach, they're they're probably going to die without some sort of rescue effort. And how do they die? They end up overheating, for starters. Uh, they need water to uh, cool them. Right, and they're so. kind of prey for any predator that oh, comes yeah. along. Yeah, too. If, uh, you know, if you're a whale and you're um, washed up on some Arctic shore uh, and a polar bear comes along, um, you know, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion what's going to happen. Uh, also, again, these animals are made to live in an ocean environment. So, like, their their weight distribution is all uh, out of whack if they're on the land. There are some, uh, some types of, uh, of whales that uh, when, they, when they're washed ashore, mm-hmm. like, the, their muscles end up atrophying on one side of their body, and it actually um, causes the, the spine to, uh, to curve. So, yeah, it's just a bad situation all around. So, like I said, it's mostly the cetaceans, um, the, the order that includes aquatic, mostly marine mammals, like your whales, your dolphins, your porpoises. Um, the bottlenose dolphin, like flipper or whatever mm-hmm. you think of when you think of that kind of dolphin, is the most commonly stranded species. You look through the database on some of the organizations that deal with this issue, it's just bottlenose dolphins upon bottlenose mm-hmm. dolphins. 
And part of that is that they uh, tend to live closer into shore. But uh, the, the number two species uh, is actually the pygmy sperm whale. Indeed which, it is, uh, Robert. Which tends to li- live in deeper waters. So, Yeah, and that actually leads me into the single stranding. So you have two kind of strandings. You're, you're going to have a, a lone individual or maybe an individual with uh, offspring, or you're going to have these mass strandings, kind of like the Jim Jones Kool-Aid type mm-hmm. of debacle. Um, but a single stranding is pretty straightforward, and this is just going to be when a sick animal beaches itself. And the sickness could be parasites, it could be disease, it could be um, ingestion of like a biotoxin, or it could be something, you know, like it ran into a ship. Or something screwed up uh, neurologically with the animal, um, and it can't really navigate, winds up on the shore. Yeah, and interestingly, with the the pygmy sperm whales that you were just talking about, they're kind of this funky, mysterious species. And um, the deal with them is that they're actually suffering from heart disease. Mm -hmm. And so by the time they wash up on shore, they're basically dying this slow death due to heart failure, which is, I'm sorry, it's kind of dismal. I hope you guys otherwise have had a good day. But this is a bit of a grim topic. So, Um, And then in the case of sick whales, you're also going to have... calves who follow their mm-hmm. their moms and they're hugely dependent on their moms for the first two years of their life especially with dolphins so um if a mom has you know some sort of sickness or injury or neurological impairment then uh they're both going to strand themselves on shore mm-hmm. so that's kind of the single stranding that's the that's the you know the solo instance but then you have these crazy mass strandings yeah and some of the these range from uh you know it could, you could be talking like a dozen uh, whales that have washed up on the shore or, and this just blows my mind, but, uh, 1918, New Zealand, a thousand whales washed up on the shore. A thousand. You know? It, That's crazy. It's just apocalyptic sounding, you know? And yeah, so, so we're, we're talking a lot of animals. And the, the weird thing is that while, uh, single strandings tend to involve animals that are sick or injured, animals that are dying in the final stages of their life. Mass strandings will often include perfectly healthy animals that they're just, you know, washed up on the shore. Um, Dr. Bossert actually uh, uh, told an interesting uh, story about uh, an incident uh, he was present for in which 64 dolphins uh, washed up on a shore. And um, some well-meaning but otherwise, you know, untrained uh, individuals from the area uh, were on the scene. And so they did what might come seem natural to most of us. They started pushing the animals back out to sea. Absolutely. I would right? totally do that. So they start pushing, you know, all 64, you know, right out back into the water. And then what do they do? They wash up all of them again, just a little ways down the beach. Why? This is a, there's a lot of mystery that still remains revol- uh, uh, revolving around, um, these mass, um, beachings. Okay. But the, the predominant theory, uh, is, is that they believe that there'll be a, a particular leader dolphin. All right. And that leader, uh, something goes wrong. Either it's an illness or something uh, neurological, and they end up going uh, going ashore, and the others simply follow. So if you push them all back out, you know, they're just all going to follow the same leader back up onto the beach. So like in in this particular case, they ended up having to euthanize most of the uh, the whales. You know, all but just a few. Uh, right, because I suppose they can't elect a leader on the spot or anything like that. Uh, right, yeah. There's just, and you're you're dealing with limited time, limited you know resources. They, they can't you know stay out of the water indefinitely. It's it's a really heartbreaking situation. So let's talk about some of the other reasons beaching occurs, mainly the ones that we have a hand in, um, like environmental and climate change. Uh, yeah, this is a big one. Um, uh, like a, an interesting example of this is when, say, a, a hooded seal washes up. Um, in Florida. A hooded seal is an Arctic animal. 
What is an Arctic seal doing in Florida? Exactly, you know, and... uh, and uh, they, they believe it has to do with, well, there were two seals in this uh, particular instance. Oh, maybe it's a snowbird seal. What? You know, like the snowbirds, they they call old elderly people who hang out in you oh. know, cold spots during the summer and they migrate to, to well, but no, it's not that. Okay. No. Well, I mean, they did come to Florida to die, I guess. But, oh, uh, gosh. There was also, they had bellies full of garbage. Oh. Um, because they had, uh, basically, they were, they were having to go further south um, to try and... Uh, and find food, um, and, and this all has to do with uh, with something called uh, environmental distress syndrome. Okay. In a nutshell, it comes down to this: if any kind of environmental change going on, and and the belief is that that humans have at least a, a hand in this, you know. And I'll leave everyone else to argue about that. But uh, but uh, you're changing the the recipe for life on Earth. Right, and it, it has at least a little bit, and it can have you know catastrophic, uh, you know, yeah, for the animals' health. Exactly, okay. sure, yeah, yeah that makes so, sense. So yeah, so suddenly an, an animal's having to go a little further south, or it's uh, it's leading to, um, you know, it's leading to the emergence of of new diseases, which is uh, which comes into play with, uh, for instance, the pygmy uh, sperm whales. Okay, um, you know, they all have this heart disease, and there's a theory that this may be linked to environmental distress syndrome. Huh. The environment is changing. It's creating uh, new diseases are emerging. Old diseases are reemerging. Um, everything's thrown into a state of flux. You know, all the, the the dice have been rolled, and they're they're coming around to a different uh, arrangement. Yeah, and on a related environmental note, I actually read this study about um, chloride ion concentration in the water. And so chloride ions um, are handy for preventing barnacle growth on your boat, but as it happens, they also factor into your sense of hearing. And if you mess with a number of chloride ions and you can mess with your hearing. So researchers have posited that this is one way that we're messing with uh, cetacean hearing. Another uh, interesting uh, uh, theory has to do uh, actually with sound. Obviously the ocean is is filled with various noises and uh, a number of these uh, I mean these these whales and dolphins use sound uh, in something uh, called uh, um, echolocation. Sure. You know? It's basically sonar. All right. So when you start introducing new sounds, you know, that, uh, that, that everything has not evolved to deal with, um, take for instance, uh, noise generated by oil rigs, um, you can end up throwing this sense of, na- this, this, uh, this navigational sense off, alright? Right, you can even have noise from, you know, giant ships trawling mm-hmm. the seas. And of particular interest, the U.S. Navy's currently, uh, funding research into this because they might be the ones to blame. Um, there's a belief that, uh, that sonars, uh, sonar used in the submarine detection, uh, training exercises, um, may be, uh, aggravating gas bubbles in the whale's livers, which, uh. That sounds unpleasant. Yeah. Which can actually result in decompression sickness. Um, so that's another sound related, uh, possibility that could be leading to, uh, a number of these, like, mass strandings. So it interferes basically with the animal's ability to communicate and thus. Right. Yeah, throws off their compass, and then they wind up on the shore. And again, you know, they go back out, you know, it's not going to do any good. So say someone notices a beached animal on the shore and reports it, and you, the marine biologist or whoever responds to it, like, what are the options on the table? Well, um, sadly, I mean, in many of these cases, it ends up being uh, uh, euthanasia, you know. Um, You know, you have, you know, even just like a hundred, much less say a thousand animals wash up on the beach. You know, if everybody, you know committed themselves to the cause of saving these whales, you wouldn't be able to do it. Um, so you got to, you know, you got to pick and choose. Uh, and that means uh, trying to determine which ones are the healthiest specimens that can 
either you know you can either release or take back for rehabilitation impossible re-release and you can do that with like uh, performing tooth extractions they'll perform a tooth extraction on site to see and you uh, can instantly tell how old the the mm-hmm. yeah. animal in question is yeah and obvious signs of like you know disease uh, age um, you know if they're covered with you know, scars from, uh, you know, altercations with sharks, et cetera. I also read that they can, um, they're developing a device that can test the animal's hearing uh, oh, yeah. on site. So if their hearing is messed up, it's obviously such a key sense, and that might be an indicator of how the animal will fare back in the wild or in rehabilitation. And then you can also push them out to sea. And on occasions, it does work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it- more often, it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, a big thing is while on their beach, they have to, it's just keeping them cool too, you know, like keeping water on them, um, and, you know, keeping them from heating up too much. Uh, interesting though, when they die, it's not, it's not, you know, a lost cause. Cause a lot of what we know about what's wrong with these, uh, beached whales comes through, uh, performing, uh, um, autopsies? Or the net, whether with an animal, it's called a net Right, autopsy. of course. Yeah. Good point. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they'll, in fact, they have, uh, uh, like trailers, like necropsy, necropsy trailers that they, they can just perform the autopsy on site. Sometimes they'll bring them in, um, and have them, you know, you know, and, and take care of them, you know, in a situation where they have a little more time. Uh, then there's rehabilitation, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is a big one. This is, um, yeah. And this is, you know, exactly what it sounds like. You bring them in, uh, you work on, uh, you know, addressing whatever the physical, uh, ailment is. And then try and get them back into shape to reintroduce them in the wild. Um, and this often, so it's trickier than it sounds. Yeah, because you bring them in, you're, then you're feeding them dead fish. Dead say. fish, yeah. And they need to, they have to, they have to relearn how to eat live fish. Right. So I think one of the most famous examples of rehabilitation that perhaps didn't go so well was with Free Willy. Oh yeah, yeah. I would say this one did not go well at all. For those of uh, you not familiar, I actually never saw the movie. Did I didn't you? see the movie either. I can picture the whale. Yeah, it's like jumping over some rocks, and there's like a child involved. It's and a killer whale, right? Feel yeah. is a killer whale. Yeah. And so, yeah, the whale in the movie like gets to go free, and then people were like, "Hey, we want the real whale to go free. That's not fair that this whale played a free whale and is a captive whale or whatever, right?" Right, so, right. So that makes sense on a on a basic level. Yeah, but the thing is, they they can't. They normally cannot release a whale back into the wild unless it's physically and mentally able. Uh, to survive in the wild. Remember, these are very social animals. So it's not like it just needs to, it's, it, it needs, A, it needs to know how to find food, but it also needs to be able to get along with other killer whales. It needs to join a, you know, a, a pod of killer whales and thrive. So it needs to be accepted by those whales. Sure. Um, so this was, uh, So it has some stigma attached to it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah, following, uh, all the, the public clamor over this, uh, they ended up releasing the whale whose name is Kiko. I believe it's uh, K-E-I-K-O, pronounce it how you will. But, uh, yeah, so people clamored. They ended up saying, all right, they released uh, the, the poor guy. And um, uh, Bossert um, himself was a was a critic of releasing this animal. And okay. he, he, he described Why? it. Well, because it wasn't ready to be okay. released. The, the animal wasn't ready to be re-released into the wild. And he said it was like basically like a gold, big golden retriever. Like all this animal wanted to do was come up to a human Open its mouth and have the human scratch its tongue, which is you're lying. No, that's, that's what tongue? it says. Apparently, they like to have their tongue scratched, <laughs> that's but that's hilarious. all well and good in the confines of like a Sea World environment or something, you know. But out in the wild, nobody's I mean, going to scratch your tongue, right? And and it's important to realize that the ocean is a dangerous, dangerous, harsh place, you know. I mean, it's it's most of the earth, you know, and uh, and 
and it's it's deadly. So if you if this whale's going out there, it's it's like if you release somebody from a um you know some sort of a I don't know a, a magic schoolhouse, and they went out thinking the world is all sunshines and wallet inspectors, and you know I you know <laughs> it, it, the animal's just not prepared for the real world anymore. So this animal ended up going back into the wild, wasn't accepted by any uh, any other killer whales, and ended up dying alone in Iceland. That's sad, yeah. Robert. That is really sad. Um, well, part of the other problem is, is actually uh, a little bit more basic. It's it's a lack of funding. So we have all these agencies right now that will respond to um, a report of a marine mammal stranding. And mm. uh, you can find them if you head on over to NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and they have a division that, that deals with this exclusively. But anyway, um, you have all these agencies that are you know, prepared to respond, but you don't have enough funding. So then it becomes a question of how, how is that money best spent? Because if you're talking about a dolphin, it can cost as much as $175,000 to rehab a single dolphin. Mm. <clears throat> um, for something like a seal, a sea lion, or a walrus, you, maybe it's a little cheaper. Maybe you get $400, maybe you get $50,000. That's a huge range. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the kind of funding that they were talking about in uh, the online magazine for Woods Hole. They, were, they, they wrote an article uh, dealing with this. I mean, yeah, and it comes down to, is is it worth the money? Is it worth the the time? I mean, in in many cases, you know, through rehabilitation, we learn more about the animals. Absolutely. Know? And there's and there's a lot to be said for that. But uh, take the case of C six, which was a forty year old dolphin. Forty years. That's an old dolphin. Okay. All right, just covered with scars from uh, from altercations with uh, with bull sharks. All right, this is you know a rug, rugged, rough animal. Washes up. All right. Undergoes four months of rehabilitation. They finally release the animal back into the wild. Ninety-three days later, he chokes on uh, a fish, an invasive species, um, by the way. But but ends up choking on a fish and dies. So, I, I mean, the, the big ethical question is: in what, in which cases are we saving the animal more for us than for the animal's own good? You know, I mean. Absolutely. Selfishly, I can say if I were in that situation of looking at a dying animal on the beach, I would make every effort to preserve the life if I could, you yeah. know, if it involved like pushing some poor dolphin back into the ocean. And then, but is that the right response? Right. Not necessarily. Because, I mean, the, the the free willy example, there's an example of them and the best of intentions there. People just wanted a whale to be free. But... You know, it, I think that was the case where it was ultimately more about what we wanted than what was good for the whale. And, you know, in most of these animals, a lot of these animals, especially in the single um, uh, beachings, I mean, they're dying. This is a dying animal. You know, it's kind of, you got to close the book sometimes. But there's not, really, no, there's not really any right or wrong answer here. It's just more of an ethical quandary. So, on that uplifting note, if you have any questions about marine mammal strandings, uh, shoot us an email at sciencestuff at howstuffworks.com. Or in the meantime, you can check out some articles like uh, What Happens When a Whale Dies by Kristen Conger. And we got blogs. Uh, you wrote about this on the blog, Yeah, right? actually, I, I, I uh, covered this initially on the blogs, a couple of posts on whales. So, uh, yeah, always come check, check out the blogs and see what, uh, what kind of topics are fresh in our minds. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. <laughs>